Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. I believe that alignment is one of the great secrets of health and growth in any organization and in our own lives. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. I'm the executive director of the National Institute of Christian Leadership and the founder of Global Servants. I'm going to be talking about life, leadership, relationships, and faith in the Leader's Notebook in the months ahead. I hope that you'll join me for these topics, for interviews, and for teaching. Today, I want to be talking about alignment. Many years ago, when I first started working in Africa, I can remember I was intrigued by one thing that I saw repeatedly. I just never traveled broadly much. Now I've been on every inhabited continent of the globe multiple times. But at that time, it was new to me. Foreign travel was new, and Africa and its exotic culture was particularly new to me. But you might be surprised. One of the things that jumped out at me the most was the huge burdens that people, particularly women, could carry on their heads with such grace and balance. I I wanted to ask someone about it, but I was afraid of bringing offense. One day, my driver, Kofi, and I were in the truck, and we were just about to go down through a river, go down and across the other side, and he paused to change gears. And just outside the truck, there was a small boy, I mean, nine, ten years old, He had taken a piece of cloth and wound it into a circle and placed it like a small crown on his head, and on top of that was a log running front to back over his head. And I use the word log advisedly, not a stick. It was a log of some length, five, six feet long, and it must have weighed plenty. It was on his head front to back. And at one hand, he had a bucket of something heavy, And with the other hand, he was holding hands with a small child. And it seemed like the propitious moment. So I said, Kofi, I have a question I want to ask you, but I don't want to offend you. Please just listen to my question and don't take offense. He said, what is it? I said, look at that boy. I do not believe an American child can do that. I just don't think our skeletal structure, our musculature in our necks will carry that kind of a load as small children. He said, no offense taken, you're right, but he said, we're not constructed differently. It is that that boy has built up. He didn't start carrying a log. He started carrying a small stick. Furthermore, he said, the issue is not really about his strength. It's about his balance. He said, I've always wanted to ask an American a question, but I don't want to bring any offense. I said, what is it? He said, I see you Americans come here all the time, and the British, And you carry things so stupidly. He said, you pick up heavy burdens and hold them out in front of you where you don't have the strength of your body under it. And it's no wonder to me that your backs are always strained. He said, why don't you put it on your head? I said, well, Kofi, it's a good question. But the answer is cultural. One simply doesn't in the West walk around with burdens on one's head. But the fact of the matter is, we probably would be better off if we learned to do exactly that. When the 
vertical strength of your entire body is under a burden, then the disposition, the distribution of that weight is scattered over a, a greater strength. And the secret of that is alignment. I've never been to a chiropractor. I, I don't have anything against it. I just don't know anything really about the science of chiropractic. What I think I know anyway is this, that it's based on the idea of alignment. Were one to go to a chiropractor, what a chiropractor does for you is called an adjustment. That's something, your spine, your pelvis, your shoulders, something is out of alignment. And it needs to be in a vertical alignment so that health and strength can happen. My understanding, for whatever that's worth, is that chiropractors and those that are really devoted to the science of chiropractic believe that if your spine, if one's spine is out of alignment, that it can actually cause or abet other sicknesses that have nothing to do with, with uh, your spinal column, things like even kidney disease and things like that. That when you're out of alignment, it causes distress in the whole body. This is certainly true in management and in leadership. When things are out of alignment, when, when the organization is not in alignment, it causes all kinds of confusion and tension internally. And when the organization is out of alignment with the community that it hopes to reach, and the constituencies that it hopes to reach, that causes tremendous problems. So let me talk to you first of all about the vertical alignment between your organization and the market you want to reach. There are three M's to that outside alignment, message, medium, and market. The message is, what, what do we proclaim? What is our core message? So there are organizations in the Christian world, in church world, if you will, that are very message-driven. Billy Graham was certainly the quintessential message-driven ministry of the last century, of the 20th century. His message never changed. He did other media besides his big crusades. There were Billy Graham movies and other things. But the core message was what really drove Billy Graham's ministry, the salvation message of Jesus Christ. That was He was message-driven. Now, there are other message-driven ministries that are quite different. It's not that they don't believe in the gospel. It is that they've found some particular niche of, of message, a, a different message. For example, the word of faith theology, the Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Charlie Capps, that, that group, their message is word of faith, confessional faith. And that is a message-driven ministry. One might, for example, go to a church that has a sign out front that says a word of faith church. You might find great music, you might experience tremendous worship. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive, but I'm saying that is not what the primary thing you expect when you go in that church is devotion to the word of faith message. Then there are medium-driven ministries and medium-driven organizations. That's where the core thing is not what they say, it's how well they say it, the medium in which their message comes alive. Um, for example, a, a great example is the largest church in the world is Cho's Full Gospel Church in Seoul, South Korea, is definitely 
a medium-driven ministry. They're about prayer and small groups. In fact, Cho could be gone from there, and for a long time, that church would run on prayer and small groups. It doesn't mean they don't have a message. They certainly have the message of the gospel, the full gospel, as they understand it. But that's not the core. That's not their their, um, quintessence. That's not where they come alive. That's in their medium. For others, it might actually, their medium might be media, television, or radio, or or um, the written word. But it's, it's how they do what they do. And then there is market-driven ministry or market-driven businesses. The quintessential market-driven um, ministry was certainly uh, Bill Hybels the, in the last century. And I know right now because of the struggles there, that feels like an easy target. But they were a market-driven, or he coined the phrase, at least I think he coined it, certainly attached to him, of seeker-sensitive. But if the seeker, if you are seeking the seeker, you are driven by that market. You want to draw that market in. Now, the the message-driven organization will be the most consistent, the most lacking in compromise, the most um, stable. The message changes slowest and last. If you tamper with the message, then you may actually send, accidentally, you may actually send the signal that you are compromising. Now, the downside of the message-driven ministry is that they can begin to idolize how the message is said and not the core message itself. In other words, the vocabulary of the message is what becomes sacrosanct. And you tamper with that, and they can feel you're actually tampering with the core message. What does that mean? It means as language evolves, the words with which you say your message may not mean anything anymore. They may mean the wrong thing. They may mean different things than they meant a generation ago or even a decade ago. Language is evolving quickly. So in order to be faithful to your message, you feel you have to be faithful to the vocabulary, and actually it works against you. Because as the vocabulary becomes antique and irrelevant, you can actually make your message inaccessible to those who are in a contemporary society. You can change the message, and you can change the way that you say the message, but you have to be careful with it because it has to change slowly and carefully. Otherwise, you cause splits and division, people who think you've changed the the to an a, and now the purists are all up in arms. That's why you have these constant denominational splits where somebody changed one word or an article or something, and they feel that the purity of the message is lost. Now, with the medium, the challenge of the medium-driven ministry or organization is that the medium is what you get really good at. The, The medium is what you do really well, but you can forget the other two, that the reason you do the medium well is the people, the market, the area of society that you're trying to reach. So in other words, your customers almost become irrelevant to how well you do what you do. And then as a result of that, your message then almost becomes subservient. There are speakers, people, politicians, for example, who say absolutely nothing 
really well. They are medium-driven and not message-driven. When we talk about politicians, whether they're succeeding or failing, and sometimes they say, this guy or this woman won't stay on message. So the, the, the core issue for a politician can be the message. But then there is this sort of traditional slick politician who is unwilling to get pinned down. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? They won't answer those questions. They just say very smoothly almost nothing. Those are medium-driven politicians. And there are medium-driven organizations. They just do what they do really well. What's the plus side of that? They are highly creative. They stay abreast of the medium. They are able to change inside the medium and flex. They're, they're quick to, to make adjustments so that they do the medium really well. And then there's the market-driven. That is, we're not devoted to how we do anything. We're not even devoted to the core message. What we want is to find out what the market wants and deliver that. So an example of that would be, for example, would be Dodge Brothers. When the market wanted wagons, Dodge Brothers made the wagons that people used. But when people no longer wanted wagons, they said, we're not going to make something the market doesn't want to buy. So Dodge Brothers became Dodge Automobiles. The, the market-driven ministry, the challenge that you can face in that, the, the risk that you run, is that you lose all your core beliefs, that you lose what you stand for, that you sell your bullets to buy guns. In the church, the market-driven ministry can. It's not, it's not an, an, an immutable destination. It's just that it can happen, that you can lose track of the people that you're trying to reach, the message with which you're trying to reach the people because you're so devoted to getting the people. So in other words, you can wind up being compromised. It can lead to lack of discipleship, lack of structure. There's a connection between the word discipleship and the word discipline. And when you're trying to draw people in and you start talking too much about discipline, you can limit your market. So if you emphasize discipleship too much, you can limit the market. That's not may not be a good market tactic. As a result of that, you may gather a lot of people in who are undisciplined and that your discipleship mechanisms are frail. You can change any of them. But remember, the further up the chain you go from message through medium to from market through medium to message, the closer to message you get. You have to be more careful, slower about change. The, the downside of the medium-driven organization is if you change media, you will not be as good for a long time at the new medium. So in other words, if you've been a, a music-driven church, there are uh, that's a, a very good example, by the way. Uh, Hillsong in Australia, became known as a music-driven church. They are shifting toward church planting. They're shifting toward leadership. But broadly, across the face of the planet, when anybody says Hillsong, what they think of is music. Now, if they move away from music and move toward other media for some time, they will lose quality in the music program, and they may not gain quality as fast in this one. 
A good test for the medium-driven is what could you do without? Let me give you an example. Jim Symbol is a great preacher. I love him. He's the pastor at the Brooklyn Tab. But if you went to New York, caught the subway, went out to Brooklyn, went to the Tabernacle, and you got there and found out that Jim Symbol was gone and there was a guest speaker, you might be disappointed, but you won't be devastated. But if you get there and they say, Jim Symbol is preaching this morning, but the choir is gone, you're going to be very disappointed because the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir is the is the medium of the Brooklyn Tab. Now, if you shift away from that, you're not going to do music as well, and you haven't developed the new medium yet. So there will be a loss in quality. You can shift markets, but if you shift the market too fast, you may outrun the market that you have, and you haven't had time to develop a new line of market. There's another word for that. That's called bankruptcy. So you can shift all of them, but the further toward the top, toward message you go, you have to be more careful about the speed with which you change. Medium, message, and market, they have to be in alignment. Internally, you have to have everybody else in alignment, all guns in the fight. Everybody has to be in alignment, all attacking at the same direction, at the same time. Your organization in alignment, your message, your medium, and your market in alignment. And that's the secret to growth and energy and health. Alignment. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, podcast. And I hope that you will also go online and look up thenicl.com, the National Institute of Christian Leadership, which I teach. I hope that you'll join me. I've tried to develop a course, and it's we've taught it now for years And we have hundreds and hundreds of graduates who have gone on to graduate school, to master's degrees, and even doctorates. I hope that you'll join me. You don't have to have a master's degree to get into the NICL. I hope that you'll join me. I teach practical leadership management, hiring, firing, how to do board management, debt acquisition, debt resolution, fundraising, the practical realities of leading and managing an organization. I have pastors of megachurches, Lawyers, four college presidents have attended, and I hope that you'll attend. TheNICL.com. Until next time, I'm Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.